everyone. Welcome to the Red and White Authority. I'm Art Regner. This is episode 201. And as always, the Red and White Authority is presented by Labatt Blue. It is the official Canadian beer of the Detroit Red Wings. Whether it's winter, spring, summer, or fall, you know the drill. After that hard day of work, what better way to unwind with an ice-cold, frothy Labatt Blue? But we do ask that you drink our premium beer responsibly let's bring in our guest no stranger to this program it is the television voice from valley sports of the detroit red wings my good buddy ken daniels and uh, ken thanks for joining us we really appreciate you uh, joining us on our red wings preview show always a pleasure arthur to be joining you well, thank you, Ken. Thank you. I, 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 you're, you're dripping with sincerity, which I no, always it's, appreciate. No, it's I'm true sure. art. You know, we, we, we can talk off air for hours, and here when I speak with you on the Red and White Authority, I know we're limited for time, so it's great. It is. <laughs> that, you know, that's true. Every time I say, oh, yeah, I was talking to somebody, they go, who'd you talk to? And I'll say, you know, so-and-so. And literally, you're right. It's like a two to three hour conversation with everybody I speak with. So because I, you're because you're engaging art. Yeah. Well. Th- well. Thank you, Ken. Uh, yeah. With that said, we're, we we you know the Red Wings begin their season. We're doing this on October 11th. Uh, so tomorrow they officially begin. Although the uh, uh, season began yesterday, actually with a triple header on ESPN. Uh, but the Red Wings will begin against the uh, New Jersey Devils. Unfortunately, Ken and Mickey will not be bringing you that game. It's ESPN Plus and Hulu. Uh, Hulu. But, uh, uh, Ken, let me ask you very, very quickly. I know you watched all three games yesterday. I did too. Too much Connor Bedard or just enough? I think for what is deemed to be, although we will see a generational player, um, I didn't really think it was too much. I thought the sit-down, although brief as it was with, with Sidney Crosby, was very cool because right. Sidney was, uh, you know, one, the player that Connor idolized in the opening face-off. And, you know, the ref thing, I, I, I know hearing, I, I think it was Kelly Sutherland, um, you know, speaking before the drop of the puck and the league was criticized for that years ago, but they're trying something. So I thought it was cool. No, it wasn't too much Connor, and I love the way he played. Got caught on a couple of goals or man coverage. That's going to happen, but you can see how good this kid's going to be. So I thought it was fun. It was appointment viewing for me uh, to see Connor Bedard. I'd watched him, obviously, in junior and, you know, the, the World Junior Championships, etc. But to see him play, I thought was a, you know, appointment viewing. So I didn't think it was too much. You know, actually, I, I kind of like it, too, for years. How many, t- what if one of the major criticisms of the NHL, they don't promote their individual players. Right. And, yeah. you know, and here's a guy that, just starting out, I think it's great. And for those of you that missed his debut last night against the Penguins, depending on when you're listening to this podcast tonight, TNT, I believe, will have him on against the Boston Bruins, a team obviously in the Red Wings division. A lot of questions about the Bruins, and but I'll probably be watching, although I have picture in picture, I'll probably be watching the Leafs and the Canadians tonight uh, to begin. But, uh, but enough of that. Uh, let's get into the Red Wings you saw him this preseason. I saw him. We were both up at training camp. Uh, maybe an overall assessment of how you would view this club going into tomorrow night's opener against New Jersey. I just view the competitiveness and the depth as has much been talked about. And you can think, okay, the kids should be playing. And I'll, I'll go back to 
you know, the former general manager who always used to say it's a men's league, right. uh, which it is, and young teams don't win Stanley Cups, and for the most part, uh, they don't. Um, not that the Red Wings are in that position to challenge for a, a cup right now, but I think it is about depth, and those must earn a spot who aren't here now, and there will be plenty of time for that. And and back in the day, if you remember, it was Pavel Datsuk and Henrik Zetterberg were coming into the league at 24. They weren't coming in at 19 and 20 and 21, and the game has changed now. The contracts have changed now, and you're paid while you're young, um, you know, for what you're going to do going forward, not what you have done. So the game is different. I think we have to view it through that lens now. So I think my main takeaway from training camp was the depth it has. Um, obviously, not a young team, but on the uh, more veteran side of things and, and buying time. But it'll be a relevant team uh, through, we hope, the trade deadline and uh, challenging and staying with it. So that, to me, is inspiring. Well, a couple of things that, uh, you know, maybe almost fans speak, and I want to get your view on that, and then we'll concentrate on the 23-man roster and line combinations and power plays and things of, of that nature. Uh, but, uh, you know, the scuttlebutt is, if this were a few years ago, Nate Danielson and Simon Edvinson would both have made this roster. You, do you, and, and let's throw in Jonathan Bergeron in there, too. Yeah, I think that is true. I don't necessarily think that is right, though. Because if you had them making this team and you didn't have the proper veterans to surround them, uh, whether it be David Perron or Kopp or Comfer or Petrie, whomever, uh, I think that can get lost. And I lived it uh, growing up in Toronto. Uh, when I came to Detroit in 97-98 season, I was immediately spoiled. So I saw that veteran group, but I saw the kids who started way too early in my time with the Maple Leafs and weren't surrounded and didn't get the culture, didn't get the winning, and uh, that can be problematic. So I, I think how they're doing it this way um, is the right way. And a few years ago, yeah, Nate Danielson could have been frustrated in, in year three now if it were a few years ago, or Bergeron or Edvinson. And thankfully, Sider had the year he had and now you can build a, a group around him to uh, try to offset what what he can bring forward so i like it no i i actually do too and you know actually you could almost say that you know a guy who had played for the red wings last year and i thought had a pretty good training camp and i think did everything to show that he wanted to be a red wing and not a grand rapids griffin but that was uh elder uh, soderblom i mean i think I, I think elmer played very very well he did, and you can see the potential there. And Elmer, as big as he is, and I don't, I remember Chara, it was like a, a fawn and fallen down when he first came in the right. league uh, back with the New York Islanders, this big, tall, lanky kid, and some wondered, can he stay on his feet? I don't think that's quite the case in Elmer Soderblom, and his skating is improving, but I just wish <laughs> Elmer had that bite to him. That edge where, he, hey, I am six foot eight and I am 255 pounds. It's almost like the Dustin Bufflin thing. And boy, you use that size if you got to, however big you are, and hit somebody hard and make them be aware of you. And in time, if that comes with Elmer, we're going to be really happy to see that. It's not there yet. And maybe he finds that in Grand Rapids as he continues to grow. And uh, buy his time down there for now and, and get that mean streak going. That's what I'd love to see from him. You know, quickly, I, I have to admit, I, I didn't know a whole heck of a lot about Nate Danielson. I mean, I studied the draft and I knew of him as a player. I have to come clean here. He's better than I thought he would be. I mean, at this stage. Well, what they said about him, and you can see it, 
uh, how he skates and one of the better skaters in the draft and he can fly and when he starts to find the pace of the game and let him go back here to Brandon let him dominate and he'll be a leader there and hopefully a better team it should be than what they had previously but they always talked about his 200 foot game and a smart player that he is so it'll come if you've you're, you're keeping up with the pace of the game and what he showed uh, in the preseason you saw that and now once the confidence starts to build and he takes that back to junior and has a great year in junior and next year comes out to make this team that's a great start and believe me if he does out of the next training camp and makes the team and doesn't spend time in Grand Rapids that's not to say at some point he won't because there are always going to be some growing pains but um, this year no need to have him here and uh, no matter what prospects were coming I believe that's what Steve Eisenman did we're going to round out with the veterans now and let the kids earn their spot we this team <coughs> needs to be competitive and play some meaningful games Right. Yeah. I, I, you know, I mean, we both know Steve, we know how competitive he is. And, uh, you know, I think he had reached a point now where we're not going to be, we're not going to be a bottom feeder anymore. We're going to let these guys develop, but I'm going to put a pretty competitive team on the ice. And I think that's what he's done the last couple of years in free agency by signing, uh, being one of the most active uh, teams in free agency have been the Red Wings and people that they've signed. I really think are, you know, have really upgraded this team. Let's just be honest. How how good they are, that remains to be seen, but they're definitely better. And I, I maybe Steve just read the tea leaves where you finish in the bottom six for five consecutive years and you know, you pick in the top five just once with Lucas Raymond fourth. <laughs> maybe it just wasn't in the cards. It's like it's like the, the, the Powerball and it keeps going up and up and one point right. seven billion or whatever it is. Keep going, you think I got a chance. Not much of one. It's almost the same thing in this lottery. It's just not the red wings thing. That's that's not the lottery. So sure, maybe you could have bottomed out and you keep hoping and hoping and hoping. You know, that you, you wind up with a Crosby-like or a Bedard-like or a Jack Hughes and it just it just isn't in the cards. So you, you try another way and hopefully this way is going to work. You know, a couple of players I wanted to mention real, real quick. Both of them Americans. I thought Cross Hannes played very, very well in the Prospects Tournament. He showed a lot of maturity when they were blown out by Columbus and he was the Red Wing player that talked after that game and I thought he was absolutely excellent and showed some leadership qualities very impressed by him not off the ice and in his game and then of course Carter Mazur just has to get healthy because I think this kid's going to develop nicely oh I believe so and uh, it's wonderful in a third round pick uh, and he was a re-entry draft prospect too so yeah I, I hope when Carter Mazur gets healthy he'll he'll get that shot and a, a good career at, at Denver so um, you know and he wants to be here and, and growing up in Jackson and the Red Wings a, a favorite team and and love Darren Helms so it all just fits together and I really like Cross Hannes too you could see his stride improving from what I heard before he's a creative player he's got good puck skills so yeah that that's where that's where these guys aren't even really when you talk about Berggren and you talk about Soderblom and we won't even go into the defensemen right. and the guys who are ready to make that push who you thought might be here and now are in Grand Rapids but then you've got that next layer coming and there's no hurry for that next layer now because they're behind maybe you hope 
they're behind Berggren and Soderblom. Maybe not. And if Carter Mazur or Cross Hannes steps over them and makes that jump, well, even better. Now you got a real battle going. And then you got some other contracts coming off the books down the road. Now you got other guys pushing. So there's still that window where your captain signed to the long-term deal at eight years is, is still in that window and still young enough. And Debrink, it's still young enough that when these guys are coming in a few years from now, three years, that's when you're making that push and you're winning a playoff round or two. Well, no, there's no doubt. And, you know, I, I've said this, and you've heard me say this probably for years, but you can learn a lot about a team by how they practice. And you can tell that the last couple of years, the Red Wings are better. They practice harder because of the internal competition within the roster, which, you know, was there every single day in their, you know, in the, the latest heyday of the Red Wing uh, franchise. But uh, it, it is very um tangible you can see it on the ice this team is better as i just said earlier how about much better very tough atlantic division we'll find out but yet uh it's starting to take shape i guess is what i'm trying to say right now well it is for sure and you're led in practice when you see guys like cop and perron and petrie and Oli mata the guys who've been there and robbie fabry too for that matter and the guys are feeding off that whether you know it be a Lucas Raymond or a Moritz Sider from from day one, Joe Valeno, who I thought had a very good preseason, right. Right. and you add a guy like Daniel Sprong, Red Wing fans are going to love this guy. I think he's 20 goals all season long, and with that boy, the the whip, how he can get that stick going. I think he uses an 87 flex. So he's got a real whippy stick, and you can see how that puck releases. It's almost like when he'll he'll get down into that shot, and you can almost see a little like how Brett Hull used to go down on that no one doubt. knee and just wire it. So I'm really looking forward to watching Daniel Sprong. And Clean Costin, too, is a, is a big body at 6'4", and <coughs> Rasmussen. And now you're not necessarily relying on Rasmussen on that on that wing for just his size. You've got others uh, like Clem Costin who can who can play and use that size too and, and Petrie on the back end, um, uh, you know, as, as well along with Sherratt. So I, I, I think it's a well-rounded group and we talk how they can make some hay in the standings. They can and it also depends on how those teams in front of them uh, play out whether those elite teams of that Atlantic whether they fall back again or or can fall back at all or those teams are just in front of Detroit and acknowledged too by Steve Eisenman Buffalo and Ottawa they're a step ahead but you know and I guess you'll get into the teams in front and I'm sort of jumping the gun here maybe right. but even a team like Ottawa with Josh Norris and not fully healthy yet and Shane Pinto as of now not signed yet that's a big hole down the middle you got Stutzla and then you got a guessing game after that so again where the Red Wings if they can get going here in October and get off to a good start and other teams are finding their ways and finding it's a little bit difficult because we're missing key people and I include Florida in that too you can you can make some ground early well, I was talking to a legendary coach, and I don't want to keep name-dropping, who follows the Atlantic Division very, very closely and follows all of hockey closely. You and, were talking uh, to Jeff Blaschel? Yeah, I was talking to Jeff Blaschel. I actually have talked to Jeff Blaschel recently, <laughs> too. Uh, no disrespect, Jeff, but I know who you're talking about. Yeah, but, uh, but he told me that Buffalo's problem is he likes everything about them, but their bottom six forwards. He says that's going to... That, that could come home to roost. He said Florida is changing because of a couple of injuries. This won't be the whole season, but they're starting the first six weeks of the season. They've changed four defensemen. 
out of yeah. their top six. I mean, so there's question marks abound, and nobody, maybe the Boston Bruins are the biggest, biggest question mark of all teams. Just, you know, when you lose Krejci and, of course, Bergeron, that is a significant loss. Well, it is, and Taylor Hall and Tyler Bertuzzi, for what it was, even though he was just there in the end, it is a significant loss. But when, when Boston set an NHL record in points, and even if they drop 40, um, what are they still going to have around 100? Right, so, right. you know, from a few years ago, if that was the benchmark to make the playoffs, and last season, I guess it was around 92. So even if Boston loses those points, that's fine. I still see Boston as, as a playoff team. But those points are going to be distributed elsewhere. So who's there to grab them? The Red Wings didn't play badly against Boston, but those points are going to go to other teams. And you, you mentioned Florida on their back end and without Sam Bennett early on too. Again, yeah, team, teams are going to fall back. Boston's expected to fall back, that's for sure. But other teams are going to grab those points as well. So you, uh, I think it is imperative that the Red Wings have. You can't make the playoffs in October, but you can sure fall out of it. And some teams are good, could have a big climb. Uh, like those teams we just spoke of. And well, I'll trust right. Scotty. I'll trust Scotty on his opinion if yes. he doesn't like the bottom of a lineup. Well, he said, he told me Buffalo's bottom six. He says that's where he, uh, you know, he thinks that it's going to be, uh, uh, you know, I am, well, let, let's just get in quickly to the division. Then we'll concentrate completely on the Red Wings. But this way I look at it. I don't know what Toronto is, but they certainly seem to be the pick to be the best team in the Atlantic Division this year, but we've been waiting for the lease. And you know, Ken, growing up here, you know, as I know, you grew up in Toronto. I grew up in Detroit. I saw the lease almost as much as the Red Wings when I was growing up because of hockey night in Canada. Uh, but I don't know. I mean, is this the lease year in your mind? To do what? To me, well. Maybe advance to the Stanley Cup final. I'm not going to award I mean, do you see this team with the additions they made? And I think Tyler's a good addition. I really do. And, you know, I, I'm not sure what Max Domi is probably before he's done with his career will play for every team in the league. But maybe, you know, but with all that said, I mean, it, it's time running out on these guys. I mean, they eventually got to, you know, no. it's it, times now, though, right? They got to do something. Well, you'd think so, and the Nylander contract, although he's willing to work on that, and with the cap going up, I, I think they might be fine. I don't like their defense. Um, I'm not uh, sold on the, the, the goaltending either, although Samsonov is uh, more than capable, but we'll see. And Joseph Wall as the backup is basically untested. Something come playoff time, it'll be Wall as a starting <laughs> goaltender. So the, what right. does that tell you about the, the confidence in Samsonov? Um, but uh, Toronto to win the Atlantic in the regular season, I can see that. Doesn't matter. Doesn't right. matter. Right. And we'll see what they do at the deadline. Uh, but to me, it's all about playoffs. And you get to round two, that's one hurdle over, much to Tampa Bay's chagrin. And to that end, in that same division, Tampa Bay's now more rested. They've still got key pieces. They lost some pieces like Kalorn. You're without Vasilevsky early. Back to my October point. But I see Toronto uh, winning the Atlantic Division, but I don't know how much that truly means once the playoffs start because it's going to be the sphincters will be tight again, knowing that they uh, they have to go beyond what they did last year. If they don't make it to the conference final, I think it'll be a hugely disappointing season. I can't say in Toronto uh, that it's a cup or bust, 
even from people I speak to there. I don't think that's the case, but they sure as heck better get to the third round or there's going to be some changes. Oh, yeah, I, I, I kind of agree with that. And I do think one thing that Leafs fans have to look forward to, if he's healthy, and unfortunately sometimes that's a big if with him, but Tyler Bertuzzi is a proven playoff performer. Last year, he finally got into playoffs with Boston, and they were. I had, you know, I've known a lot. Obviously, a lot of people in Boston. You remember probably Butch Stearns from years ago, who mm -hmm. used to work here in Detroit. He's a big, uh, big time TV star now there in Boston. And I, you know, I talked to Arthur Butch Arthur Stearns all the time, and they were salivating at Bertuzzi and what he was able to do for the Bruins. They really wanted to re-sign him. Well, I think Leaf fans will be pleasantly surprised because if he's healthy. He's going to perform in the playoffs for the Leafs, and, and, and they need more guys like that. I mean, oh, some yeah. of their stars go to sleep in the playoffs. Well, he did that in junior, um, yes. and whether he starts on that top line with Matthews and Marner remains to be seen. I think Matthew Nyes may have a, a say right. in some of this. They're Good trying player. a rookie. Yeah, they're trying a rookie right now in Fraser Minton uh, as the third-line center, and there's cap issues there, too. That's why Noah Gregor's in, and, and Sam Lafferty was moved on to Vancouver for a fifth-round pick. Again, I just don't think, you know, Morgan Riley's their, their number one guy. Um, certainly Klingberg, you know, he could put up 50 points from the back end. He can get the puck right. into the forward's hands for right. sure. But defensively, I'm just not convinced about this team. To my point, they can win it um, without great defense because they can outscore a lot of their mistakes. Behind Edmonton, they were the second best power play in the league. They can have a heck of a regular season. Austin Matthews injured part of last year. Would he still have around 40 goals? Right. Austin Matthews could get back up to 50 or 55 for sure. A great player, top five player in the National Hockey League. So Toronto can be can be great, and they're going to love Bertuzzi, but I don't think it's written in stone that Tyler Bertuzzi plays in the top line, but they're going to love what he brings to that team. He and Domi, and even Reeves. I, I know there's not that fighting in the playoffs, etc., but uh, they're going to be a tougher team to play against, which leads to a wonderful regular season. But again, it's about the playoffs. Yeah, it, it, uh, you know, it certainly is. Although when you really look at all these teams, and we talked a little bit about Ottawa, uh, you know, Ottawa and Buffalo probably ahead of the Red Wings in the rebuild phase. Uh, uh, yet uh, Buffalo seems to be over Ottawa, which I'm a bit surprised about, seems to be the sexy pick of the team that might really make a mark in the Atlanta division this year. Well, I don't see why they couldn't, considering how they can score goals. And Zach right. Benson made the team, and we all knew when they picked Zach Benson, he was a good player. Right. Uh, for sure, not big, but good. Casey Middlestats come into his own. Um, I think Kyle Oposo is a real underrated leader. And yes, he's the guy to, to lead that group. But he means a lot to that team because it is a young group. Uh, Dylan Cousins, they, they've got a good team. T Tage Thompson... He's 50 goal man. Right. So right. and JJ Paterka, they're gonna love him. They have a a very good team and they're very well coached. And it a lot of it will fall. How good can Devin Levi be? Right. Yeah. Right. He hasn't played enough games and what's behind him. So again, that's a big question for Buffalo. Is uh, goaltending too? Dalene on the heels <laughs> of that massive contract and he deserves every bit of it. No one power. They're gonna be a power on that back end. That defense is a stud-like for years to come and they have the offense. Can they put it all together? And can Devin Levi play um, like the Sabres hope that he can? I think Zach Benson for me is gonna be a, a real guy to watch uh, uh, for Buffalo. Great, great pick. 
great pick and they could afford to do it because they got so much elsewhere that they could go with a winger and still be okay with it when you've got Tage Thompson you got Casey Middlestad you got Dylan Cousins down the middle they didn't need that center ice position slot to be filled and they could go with the Zach Benson when you're already set on the blue line so having been as many years out of the playoffs art as they have been and people you know talk about the Red Wings and the the seven years etc look where Buffalo is drafted and how high and how fortunate they've been and they still haven't made it so is now their time so you look at that in the time that it takes to finally get there 32 teams in the NHL now you could win a cup now you hope once every 32 years right, right. I think the days of the dynasty are, are over for all intents and purposes so if you can win a cup think about that look where Vegas got to in a very short period of time that's an anomaly and uh, Seattle getting where they did how will they do this year but if you look at it league-wide and the young teams that are up and coming and pushing you may win a cup once every 32 years think about that wow you know that because you're a huge Lions fan so you know what that means <laughs> since 57 but, yeah. but you know and the Maple Leafs haven't won a cup since 67 Think about that. Yeah, and now, now you're into this group that's there. It's not easy. You just hope to have a chance to get there, and that's what the Red Wings are hoping for, a chance to play some meaningful games and you get there. Look what Florida did. Only because the ineptitude of Pittsburgh with Chicago and Columbus at the end of last season allowed Florida to get in and look where they went. Doesn't happen often like that, but you just need that chance. Right. You definitely do. You definitely do. I, I agree with that. Um, and, you know, I think the culture in Tampa, John Cooper is their coach. Uh, you know, they performed last night. Your best players have to be your best players last night. And if Kucherov continues at the pace he is, I, I mean, Tampa's a playoff team, and they'll only get stronger once Vasilevsky comes back. So... Yeah, they got to get through, uh, well, maybe the month of October and the month of November. Hedman had not a good year last year. Right. But uh, look at the, you know, from Brandon Hagel, who they, they signed to a longer-term deal, and I, Braden Point to me is just elite. I absolutely love Braden Point, and there's another guy who was a, a third-round pick. Not much was thought about his skating at the time, and boy, they worked on that, and wow, look how good he is. And then you've, you've got the Steven Stamkos thing, and I don't know how long that'll linger or not through the season where he publicly said, I was a bit surprised he came out and said it publicly, that there have been no discussions about a new contract. I think he was just peeved that so many others before they got into the final year of their deal on that team now were all upped. And now he's going there again. Yes, he went to unrestricted free agency the first time when Steve Eisenman was general manager, but I don't think he wants to hit that part again. I still can't see him not being signed, Stephen Stamkos in Tampa. Right. He wants to be there, but I think Julian Breezebois is also believing where is our team? Um, and not just the Vasilevsky end of it. Maybe you got to go longer than the first two months to see where you are as a group with what they've lost. Uh, including Alex Kalorn, who's now hurt in Anaheim. But because of the cap, you have to make changes. I, I think a big loss for Tampa to me was having to move out Ryan McDonough. I oh, think yeah. that was oh, that was a, just an absolute huge loss. But now you're seeing, okay, how does Hedman bounce back this year? Uh, and then I believe they'll, they'll get Stamkos done at some point. I'd be really surprised if uh, he isn't a lightning for life, but uh, I've been surprised before. Right, yeah, certainly. We've seen that. You know, the old, uh, what, the cliche, even Ring Gretzky got traded. So uh, That's correct. Yeah, so, yep. that, you know, always keep that in mind. One thing, we'll concentrate on the Red Wings right now uh, on the 23-man roster. But, you know, I, I, a few years ago, Steve said something. He goes, you know, people make a lot out of the opening day roster, but I want to remind you, and I'm paraphrasing him, 
It's just the opening day roster. You know, it's not etched stone. Things happen. Guys get hurt. You know, Simon Edmondson could be up here before you know it. Because I think really people, the feedback I'm getting is, is that people were really wondering about Edmondson. But when you look at this d decor that they have, it's pretty good. So let's let's look first at the lines. These are the uh, the the Red Wings lines entering tomorrow night's game. The last two practices, uh, these are the guys that have been practicing together. The first line: Alex DeBrinket, Dylan Larkin, David Perron. Pretty good line. And I have no complaints with that because one of the first uh, pieces I did for Bally Social, uh, maybe the first day I was up at training camp, uh, we spoke about that, and I said I liked Perron with Larkin and Debrinket. Larkin and Debrinket, and you heard Newsy say they you know, spend a little too much time in their own zone, but that'll get worked out. Uh, they're both smart enough players and better enough players, they'll figure that out. But having said that, I believe responsible defensively and protection of the puck and the offensive zone and making plays along the wall and buying time, <laughs> to me, that's David Perron. And that's what I thought from the very beginning. I like Perron there. That's not to say in two games from now, he will still be there, maybe not. And that's some juggling, but I like that unit. Raymond maybe has some better entries to get into the zone, but once the puck's in the zone, I like it on David Pronstick. I that that guy earlier in their career from concussions, etc., and didn't watch him a whole lot, but boy, watching him up close now and then hearing from others from his time and what he's done, what a player David Perron is. No, I agree player. with you. Very obviously, excellent pickup by Steve Debrinket. I you know, I don't want to. I mean, at least 30 goals, at least. I think so. And that that's okay. I think he'd expect that from himself, too. And that that's all right. Um, you know, 33% of his career goals, I know, have come on the power play. So that's a huge weapon, too. And we'll get to that. And they have many others. 27 goals last season from Ottawa. That's okay. He was finding his way there. He still had a career high in power play points with 30. He had a career best in 39 assists last season. So I, I can see Debrinket hitting 30. I think he'd be disappointed in himself if he didn't uh, get 30. Should we expect 41? Not necessarily. Uh, not with the Red Wing group and where it's going to be and different options, power play, etc. But he's done it a couple of times, so there's no reason not to think he can't be a 30-goal scorer. No, let's go to the second line. Uh, Robbie Fabry, JT Comfer, and Lucas Raymond. Again, pretty nice second line. It is, and you got a you got a right hand center, and right. that's you know it's a nice option to have there with uh, Comper in the middle. You hope Fabry can stay healthy, right. and uh, for Lucas Raymond too, whether it be on the first line or second line, it's another weapon. And maybe your first line or the shutdown D pair is watching the Larkin to Brinkett Perron line. Maybe it frees up Lucas Raymond a little bit. It's a, a little different option having Comper in the middle. Um, you know, right-hand shot, if uh, Lucas on the right side may not be looking his way, maybe going over more to Fabry on the forehand, but that's okay too. Um, I, I just hope Robbie Fabry can stay healthy and, and find his way. I, I, that, that's really key. Not that you couldn't have and you'll get to Daniel Sprong in a third line. Right. Not that the way we've seen Sprong scoring in the preseason with the shot he's got, they could be interchangeable too, or whether it be Rasmussen there or something else. But, but I really hope for Robbie Fabry's sake and the Red Wings that he can stay healthy. And I think it could be a very solid second line. And when you look at it, uh, too much of it, is this way, reading way too much in it, how big of a year is this for Lucas Raymond? 
Well, the contract year is always a big year, right. you know, um, right. for sure it is. And, you know, he knows his numbers weren't good. Uh, he had six fewer goals and 12 fewer points than the year before. So it was an adjustment. We saw that with Dylan Larkin, who could fly around the ice in his rookie year. And you thought, oh, my God, no limits. And then you get the second year and all of a sudden it's limited, not for what Dylan can do, but for what others were doing to watch Dylan. And uh, it's a smart league. Nothing gets passed anymore. It's not like the days where you could say, I had my man and video didn't catch it. You're catching everything now. You know players' tendencies. So they caught on to Lucas's and putting on some weight. He's stronger now. He finished last season at 160, 176, nearly 190 now. So hopefully that's going to help him. He didn't slow down. It's just uh, adding muscle and feeling stronger and feeling confident. So you're in a contract year. Same as Cider. Does Cider want a bridge? I'm sure Steve Eisenman had his choice. He'd like to get him long-term if he could. Right. But uh, if you're Cider and the cap going up, and what do you do with Lucas Raymond? So I, I think it's a big year for Lucas Raymond. It's also a big year for Steve Eisenman to judge what he's got in Lucas Raymond. Right. So right. you hope that being in a contract year, and sometimes, and I don't uh, confess to know Lucas Raymond well enough to know what he thinks about that, but sometimes that pressure can, do to you, can get to you, and you start pressing on your stick and trying a little bit too hard and feeling you need goals to make the numbers. I think it starts defensively and the offense will come and he's got a good guy at least in the middle to start with that with Comper to settle things down for him. Right. Let's look at the third line, Sprong, Cop, and Rasmussen. Well, I, what Michael Rasmussen did before he got hurt and the broken kneecap, and you saw that. Right. You saw how much Rasmussen meant. And it was so nice to see, considering a few years back, and we joke about that, that his New Year's resolution was to get better at hockey. And damn if he didn't. He got a hell of a lot better. And you could see even talking to him, just the confidence level. And again, with a guy like Kopp and a veteran guy, and Rasmussen can play in the middle, can play on the wing, can play in all situations, and can play in that front in the power play. And you've got a shooting weapon now on the other side. If he can protect that puck and come close to doing as he can at times what David Perron can do, and now you got Sprong on the other side who can be a shooter for you and a weapon wonderful right there's there's no question sprong is great andrew cop tried to be a second line center last year i know he was coming off that core surgery which is a tough thing to come off of and the recuperation time is uh many play with it when they're not fully uh you know uh healthy uh third line center is probably exactly where andrew cop should be and Andrew Kopp should be a 50-point guy. Yeah, 42 in 82 last season, only nine goals, and right off the first three or four months. So I've said it before, and I'll say it again, uh, quite potentially, and the third line should easily, right. but quite potentially you could have the bottom six in the Red Wings all have double-digit goals. Because no certainly it's a it's a possibility in the fourth line for Valeno, who had nine. I mean, is Cop going to hit double digits? You'd think so. Um, Christian Fisher's been there before. Uh, Clean Costin, another one who had double digits a season ago. So why can't you? So if you're getting, you know, double digits from, from your bottom six, every player, um, wonderful options to have there. Well, you just touched on it. The fourth line, Costin, Valeno, and Fisher. And I know for a fact that Edmonton did not want to trade Costin. They could only sign him for a year. They tried to work it out, but, you know, he, he waved the KHL over their head because he had a guaranteed, uh, you know, two-year deal there. And lo and behold, Detroit comes in and, uh, you know, gives him what he wants. And he and actually, I think he still wanted to play in the NHL, but uh, 
Uh, I, I love Costin. I, you know, I, I told you, you, I know you thought I was crazy up at camp, but I, I could see him eventually being on the first line. I think he's that good and he's that big. Well, I, I don't think I thought you're, I, I don't know, right? I never think you're crazy, not publicly. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I, Thank you, Ken. Well, Costin, a big body. I don't know about first line. Let's hope so. And if you, you are Nostradamus, I'll, I'll give that to you. Um, you. But certainly you can play up and down the lineup. No, I know that was to just take the Yamamoto deal. Then <laughs> Steve doesn't qualify him and then signs him at $2 million a year. So it's a two-year deal. So he's at ease now. No pressure. Can find <laughs> his way in the lineup. I think, yeah, Clean Costin can play up and down the lineup for sure. And uh, can be a big body power play time too. So may happen as it progresses. And there's always injuries. And one man's injury is another man's opportunity. I have not talked to him yet. I have um, unfortunately I've been sick the last couple of weeks. So uh, whenever I'm ill, uh, I try to stay away from the team. And I can do almost everything I do at this point. I can almost do from home. But uh, but my point being is I know you've talked to him a bit. What kind of guy does he seem to be? I talked to him just this morning too a little bit. Good guy because we're we're talking about his name and I said you know because it it's pronounced clean he goes yes it's clean but really I don't care and I said well you should care it's your name that's yes. when we always go to players and you know I'm a stickler right. for pronunciations right. and I, I always tell the yeah well I tell the player it's your name right. it's your family name it's your dad's name that your parents name that right. they gave right. you it shouldn't be oh do whatever you want he said I've heard it so much that I really don't care anymore. So he said, but yeah, it's Clem, and then it became Clem, but it is Clem, but they'll do whatever they want. I said, that's true. I'll go with Clem. He said, that's good. We're just talking about his time <laughs> in Edmonton. He enjoyed it, but he loves it here in Detroit. And remember, he was, what, well, there would have been. He was a 31st overall pick of St. Louis. Right. Was that at the time, last pick, first round? I think it was I, the last pick. Yeah. Third, I don't think there were 32 yet at that point. You see, I lose track. I can remember back the original six, the original 12, 14, 21, 20. Who knows? That's what someone can't make it, and they, they joke around, yeah, but I played in the original 21. <laughs> it was tougher to make it the original 21 yes. than it is now because there's so many. But, yeah, good guy, and he's enjoying his time here, and, he's, you know, it's 6'4". 230. He's he's a big body and he looks big. He looks thick, and that's what the Red Wings haven't had a lot of time in the years. Just tougher to play against, and it starts defensively, making it tough and getting the offensive zone and spending more time there. All right, let's go to the defensive pairings. Uh, first pairing, Jake Wallman, and you know a guy that uh, you know I, I speak at, at ad nauseum about, but uh, uh, you know I, I've been impressed with Mo Sider since I saw him play in that. Uh, prospects tournament his first prospects tournament i know i keep bringing up that thing with kirby doc but that was very very impressive doc was with chicago then at the time but uh uh this is a pretty good pair i guess the big question mark can wallman sustain what he showed last year and with the deal that's the pressure right you get yeah. a three-year extension at, at 3.4 and i i believe that will wind up being a bargain because I think Jake Wallman can be that good. He was 13th in the NHL last season in defensive zone exits per 60 minutes. That says something. So it's it's him moving that puck. Yes, it can be that maybe they're they're keying on Sider a bit, but if that's the point, it's just a good pair. And the elite skating ability that, that he has, great edges, terrific shot. I love Jake Wallman's play. He settled in here, and that's the reason he signed. I firmly believe that perhaps, there, there I do believe, there could have been more money for him elsewhere. But bottom line is, he loves Detroit. 
He loves being here. He loves everything about the community. Just bought a house here, so he's no longer renting. He moved here and uh, during uh, late summertime got a place. So he loves it, and that's key, and that's why he wanted to be here. Well, I'll tell you what. I usually don't give stock tips, but if Jake Wallman now has a house here in Detroit, buy stock in Texas Roadhouse. That's all I can say. <laughs> <laughs> you know, a little superstitious, you know. And I, I mean, the sky's the limit for Mo. Or am I over, you know, thinking it again? Well, don't say it until he's signed. Okay, we'll keep that a secret there. And by the way, although Mo Mo was listed at at six three this year when he was six four, and I said to him this morning, I said, "How'd you lose an inch?" He said, "I didn't. I never got measured." I said, "Okay, then we'll leave you at six four. So anyway, he he didn't lose an inch, but no, I think the sky's the limit for cider too. Um, Kale McCarr won a Norris in his third season. I don't necessarily see that for most cider this year, but. When you're playing against uh, all the top players and you're an elite PK and a top power play guy, I mean, what's what's not to love about it? Um, and wherever that deal goes, whichever way, I hope he's a Red Wing for a long, long time. If it's not just this time, it'll be the next one. But um, yeah, I just love watching him. Well, I, I would I, I would try to me of course. I, I don't know if it's going to be a bridge deal. I don't know if it's going to be a long term deal. Either way, I'm sure the Red Wings have two different plans in place and a lot of it'll be what Mo really wants to do too. Right. Uh, but, but, but I will say this, you know, he's not a small man as, as you just alluded to. Did you see when he and Lucas Raymond went to Lions training camp? Yeah, I saw, well, I wasn't watching that closely, but I wasn't there, but I saw the video. I cannot believe how big a guy Taylor Decker is who stood next to Mo. I mean, he, he, dwarfed, you know, Mo was dwarfed by, I mean, it was, you know, it was like he blotted out the sun or something. I mean, Taylor Decker's <laughs> huge and I know Mo isn't. I mean, I don't know that perspective. I don't know what, why it just kind of shocked me uh, when you, when I realized, my God, this guy's a, like a huge behemoth and I know Mo wasn't small, but anyway, check it out. If you haven't seen it, it's a pretty good feature. Those guys at Lions camp and maybe they were the good luck charm, but by, uh, by the way, Let's, maybe, uh, maybe. Let's yeah. let's go to the second pair. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I, maybe uh, uh, shades of the Canadians here, but uh, Ben Sherratt and Jeff Petrie. Well, if Ben didn't work with Mo, I hope he works with uh, with, with with Jeff. Um, <laughs> you know, and you've got the lefty righty, and that shouldn't be looked on lightly either. Uh, you know, you'll you'll get to the third pair in a moment where you've right. got Gostaspere playing his his offside. But righty lefty helps, and I, I do believe that Sherratt and Petrie can be a, a very physical pair and wear down opponents. And maybe, although it's going to be Wallman and Sider playing against the, the top guys, you think, but it's not a bad option. Um, ben Sherratt had somewhat a struggling season last year, and, and adjusting here, and for sure, and the change off late December uh, away from Sider and Wallman, and the, the you know the analytic numbers tell you why that happened too. But I think Petrie and Sherratt and the veteran presence. It, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna enjoy watching them the the first month and see how they do because I think it'll be a very stabilizing factor and especially Petrie even helping Ben too because uh, Petrie's not going to get run out of a, a spot. I know Ben can have a tendency to go to both sides of the ice, right. but, but they'll, they'll figure that out, and uh, he doesn't, one doesn't have to defer to the other. They'll just figure that out. Right. Now let's go to the third pair, and at practice the, 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 there, there was a rotating, but uh, Shane Gaspierre, as you said, uh, I think that's 
a phenomenal pickup. He was really impressive in in, in the preseason. I, you know, I always thought he was a great player with Philadelphia. I'm not sure exactly what happened, but Philly's a weird place to play, I think. And, uh, uh, you know, then, you know, banished to uh, Arizona there for a while. But uh, I, I'm just kind of thinking that that's – he could be – and he's paired with, for the most part, uh, Ole Mata – who played himself into a two-year extension. They 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 had similar paths to Detroit. If it works out for Gaspierre as it did for Mata, this is a hell of a pickup for the Red Wings. Oh, it sure is, and just on a one-year deal. So right. it's fine. And, you know, um, he I think he found his game in Arizona where it started to tail off as great as the start to his career that he had six seasons in Philadelphia and put up massive points and then after the, the great rookie season then fell off a little, and then a couple of years later, he's back up to 65 points again uh, off his rookie year, where I think he had 17 goals right, his right. rookie year. So I, I believe in Arizona, a little freedom to move. He found his way again, and then, then on to Carolina, and, you know, the Hurricanes are so darn deep right. uh, at that point. But Gostaspera, I think, was a, a wonderful pickup, and when you compare him with Olimata, who does nothing flashy, although last year I think the offense... Uh, surprised a lot of us when he scored six goals but that was okay um but you know I, to think about it when i looked it up uh, he missed the four games with pneumonia uh, in december and the red wings lost all of them when mata wasn't in the lineup so i i think he's uh, just a solid solid player and goss bear we're going to see him probably notice him much more on the uh, the power play uh than, than we may at five on five being in a third pair with mata but that's okay too and he's got a terrific shot uh, Gossespear does. It's going to be a pleasure to watch him. And a, 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 a young man that's probably Steve signed him to, a, you know, for Steve a long-term deal. Uh, uh, Justin Hall, who, uh, you know, again, you, you know, we saw him in Toronto for a number of years too, and uh, you know, uh, he's also a pretty good player. And, and and what I'm curious about, do you see the Red Wings because of they're so deep on this blue line going 11 and seven? Because I know Derek Lalone uh, has talked about that. And they yeah. did it a few times last year, too. Oh, yeah, and they did it a lot in Tampa Bay. I know the defense don't like it. Justin Hall might just to make sure he gets in the lineup. The defense don't love it, but with the options that the Red Wings have up front, I think the uh, 11 forwards can, can be beneficial to Detroit. Uh, they will do that at times this year. And Derek did it a lot in Tampa, but he said it's a game-by-game decision where they're going to do it. So right now, they don't even have the 13th forward with carrying the three goaltenders. And that's okay. They're going to get time, too. And I know maybe this segues you into the goaltending. Am I okay to segue? Okay. So to me, I don't know whether Huso, you know, he played 56 games, all starts last season. Tired down the stretch, we all know. They didn't quite as much as we love Magnus Helberg, didn't quite have the backup of Ned having a tough year. Right. I believe what they have now in Reimer and Alex Lyon and Lyon on a two-year deal, and I really like him too. Mm-hmm. At some point, something's going to have to shake out where injuries happen or whatever. But to me, if this team is truly going to make <laughs> a push for the playoffs whether it be whomever falls down a little bit or how the Red Wings improve themselves, if they're truly going to make a push for the playoffs, when I look at goaltending and whether it be, let's say, Huso only started 50 games, okay, and you've got 32 more, and my math may be a little off here. Let's even use 30 games for the backups, whether it be Reimer or Lyon or just Lyon or just Reimer or whatever. If it's 30 games, I don't believe a team's truly going to push for the playoffs without a Vasilevsky or a Shesterkin or a Sorokin or somebody like that. If your backup net mining isn't playing well over 500, you're not going to get there. 
and we'll take the elite guys out of it, okay? Right. But either it be Lyon or Reimer, and they're playing 30 games. You're not going 15 and 15 and expect to make the playoffs. You better be going 20 and 10. Do you know? You better be going 21 and 9. That's the only way. So to me, if Huso does what Huso did early in the season, <laughs> and you get those other guys, one of them on a roll, or whatever you're doing, they're going to have to be well above 500 for me, for this team truly to be a playoff uh, push to get there. Do you know how many games Detroit's backup goalie won last year combined? I'm going to guess seven. Nine. Nine. Okay. That, that's still not good. I mean, no. Uh, you, you know, you're absolutely right. And, you know, because I'm the, uh, uh, you know, Captain Obvious here, but I've been saying it all. The most important player on this roster, and, they, and they've added several pieces that we expect big things about, and we touched upon most of them right now. But Vili Huso in net is got to be. I, I mean, what, what? So you think he, he's going to start fifty-two games in thirty? That's the division that you see, probably Ken, or that ideally. Maybe. Maybe, but maybe they get him some rest because the other guys are playing well and then he can get on a roll for a while. For, I don't know. I would. I mean, 56, he tired out, stayed in Detroit. Uh, he looks great shape. He feels better. So who knows? Maybe that was, you know, a year where he just didn't feel right, felt the pressure, didn't have those behind him um, that, that they could count on and maybe just mentally worn down. Uh, that could be too. But I think deployment will be a big thing. And the coaches will deploy that better. And if, again, that's what I come back to. If Lyon or Reimer is the two of them or just becomes one of them, who knows how it's going to shake out with injuries, etc. If they're playing well enough, then you can fit Huso in where he needs to be fit. Maybe that, that's, that's the jigsaw puzzle through the season. Oh, so no how doubt. do you know? So he's played 56 already. Does he have to play 56 or 60? No, it's not Grant Fuhr <laughs> playing 80. I don't think you have to go. I don't think you have to go there anymore. Maybe you know, perhaps the, the Islanders have to do that with Sorokin. I I don't know. Right. Um, but if you got that guy, who can do it, and Huso proves he can handle it. And he's playing great. Great. I still think it comes back to the backups to do their share and be above five hundred. You know, talking to the legendary coach uh, that I have not named, but you have, Ken. Um, he, <laughs> I could be wrong on it, though. I could be wrong. Yeah, oh, yeah, you're definitely not wrong. Uh, but uh, with that, he t could not remember how many teams at the start of an NHL season kept three goalies. I don't know if it was like six or seven. I can't remember offhand. It might be five. It's right around that number. It's still a lot. Is that the Vasilevsky impact? People are just afraid, or do teams have questions about their backup goaltending? Oh, I believe there's a lot of questions about backup goaltending around the league now. And you look at Buffalo's going in with Devin Levi. <laughs> I, they, they don't even know what they necessarily have behind them. There's a lot of teams with questions in, in goaltending, and now Tampa's got the question too. I, I don't know how many started with three, but it's also different now um, with the salary cap too and worried about waivers. You know, a lot of teams just try to put guys on waivers early in the season and just try to, to sneak them through. I don't know how many have started with three. There's going to be some teams in the league that aren't starting the season with a 23-man roster either. You can start with 20, 21, 22 and salary cap implications, but... I'm not really sure. If if the legendary coach can't remember, even though he's 90, and I don't think he's forgotten anything from the 1940s, so that if he says he can't remember, I'll, I'll buy it. Yeah, I, de I definitely, when he speaks, I, I, I definitely listen. All right, real quickly, because I know we're running out of time here, I just want to go through the two units of the power play and a little bit about penalty kill, and then we'll let you go. The uh, first unit has been... 
Perron net front, Larkin bumper, Debrinket and Gaspiar are the flanks, and Cider, Cider at the point. So you're sticking with that pronunciation of Gospier, eh? Uh, yeah, I'm you not. know what? I mean, I, I, I'm i going to end up calling him Shane because, you know, Ken, let, let's get this out of the way. You always are telling me how to pronounce guy's name, which I truly appreciate. And then when, <laughs> then when I'm talking, when I'm doing the live streams or whatever, uh, you know, podcasts, I know, I go, I know I'm pronouncing it wrong. How did Ken say, tell me how to say it? Well, and, and I think too much, and then I end up screwing it up again. And that's why I think, even though... You verbally tell me, I think you should come out with the Ken Daniels pronunciation guide. No, I even tried this with the league, and I, I well, we're going to get off track here, but you and I can do that. <laughs> yeah. I even went to the NHL, and I, I'm not alone in this. As play-by-play guys, we can misidentify sometimes on the ice. I get that. We're not right. perfect. But the only thing we got really is to, to get the name right. I remember, I remember back in the day before it was all just, you know, you could uh, just put it out to Twitter and X or whatever it is now. Um, it was a Thomas Kopetsky, right? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. And we asked him how to say his name, and I was saying it that way. And then we aired Thomas Kopetsky. How do you say his name? And he says Kopetsky. Close enough. You didn't have to say the European Kopetsky and right. do that. Kopetsky. <laughs> and we still got back in the day, and kids, you may not know what this is, but it was a letter was written that that I was pronouncing his name incorrectly so I said it and then aired the clip of him saying it exactly how I said it but it's still not good enough for people even though that's how they say their name we're still getting it wrong what I went to to the league and we've been trying to do this for years was to and they do this in college hockey which is a wonderful thing to do I'm not sure about the other sports but they have each player say their name on a recording and it goes on to the team's website so easy this is how the player says his, says his name. So if you're going to do a game on the road and a guy gets called up whom you've never heard of, like preseason, we never hear of half these guys, nor know them. Um, right. So they get called up day of the game. You can go, but oh, this is how he says his name phonetically. You can write it out, and that's how <laughs> he pronounces his name. <laughs> but the league seems to find that too difficult to get all 50 players to say their name and because of audio quality and Put it on the website. Anyway, I'm trying, Art, but Gostaspare is written a little strangely where you're actually not far off, but Gostaspare is the easiest way, like G-O-S-T-I with a big black bear in the woods. Okay, bear. Gostaspare. Now, okay. I can't wait until Marco Casper plays and you got Casper and the Friendly Ghost. I'm just, you know. Oh, that'll be, th- that That will be great. You know, I, I don't want to get <laughs> off track either. Uh, yeah. Marco Casper, I look at his whole experience during this year's training camp and preseason, it seemed like to me he was pressing just a little too much. Yeah, probably. And it probably, you see Danielson do what he's doing and just adaptation to the game. And that's not to say it won't come for Casper. And it could easily come in next year's camp. He dominates, who knows, or an opportunity at some point prior. You, You don't know. So... It'll come for him. I don't put much stock in the preseason. Really, everybody develops it a different way, right? So who right. knows? Right. Okay. Who knows? That's okay. All right. Well, the first power play unit, Mo at the point, which I'm happy about. Uh, this looks like, and another thing this legendary coach told me mm-hmm. is that Ottawa misused Debrinket last year because they put him on the right side of the power play unit. He said he is elite on the left side. You're going to see this guy. 
just be a complete and utter menace to the opposition on the left side, left flank on the power play. Well, I could see that. And, you know, on the flank is key. And Gossespierre on one side, too, on another flank, who's got a terrific shot. And uh, Debrinket playing your offside. Well, we've seen it from so many, whether, uh, you know, you've seen it from Stamkos, you've seen it from Ovechkin. And it's another weapon to utilize on that side. The point shot on a power play, whether it be Cider or Petrie, is not option one uh, to shoot from, you know, it's 64 feet from the blue line to the goal. That's not option one with players, how they front pucks and block, et cetera, and so many bodies in front. But it's a great option to have when you have a good shot back there, whether it be Sider or Petrie, and you look to the flanks, and whether it can uh, be Sprong uh, on that side or Debrinket going to that side, unlike you know what Scotty said, Ottawa misuse him. And then you got the other side, a left shot on the right side, and Goss to spare. Great options to have on the power play. And whether, however you want to utilize the net front, whether were you saying Perron there or Rasmussen or wherever you want to do it. It's, it's great. It's great options to have. So I, I, I believe Scotty would be right. And if he thinks they misused him, um, then I'm, I'm with him. Yeah. You know, and, he, and by the way, he put that all on, uh, on Ottawa, not on the player. Uh, right. Yeah. Second unit. Uh, we've talked a little bit about it. We touched upon it. Fabre, not net front, uh, Comfer, uh, bumper, and then the flags are Sprong and Raymond and then Petrie on the point. Well, Petrie's got a dynamite shot, and he's put up power play numbers in his career. So I, you know, I, I don't see why not. Um, you know, it's it, it's all it's all good, and he's a good puck passer too. He can put it in a wheelhouse, and that's I think underrated about Petrie too. Well, he can set up pucks uh, for the one-time shot off the flank. So I think it's good. There's going to be adjustments all season long. Hopefully, the first unit's so good that uh, the second unit doesn't get much chance. But we'll see. We'll see, and uh, you, you know, Michael Rasmussen, I've been a fan of his from day one, Ken. You know, we've talked you about have. it for years. Yep. I, I love have. the guy. Absolutely. He is purely just just a good, good human being. And with that said, and I, and I, and I keep bugging him about this, his hand-eye coordination is incredible. He's a big man, 6'6", at least. Uh, you know, he's starting to use his body a little bit more because I think he's grown into it. He, he's learned how to use his body. I... I can't believe he's not on the power play, but then again, I'm not the coach, and you know, and I've, I, I mean, I think that eventually he has to be on the power play. Well, you'd think he would be, but again, there will be so many changes to the season and so many different looks. And your power play, except for Edmonton, record-setting power play a season ago with those two monsters and those around him, um, there's always changes on the power play. So again, I don't look that far into it, what game 10 or 20 or 30 is going to be. Rasmussen's going to have his time there. And you're right, when he grew into his body and realized what he could do at 6'6", that's what you're hoping for a Soderblom. And you didn't right. see that from Rasmussen early on. And then he said, you know what, I can be surly. And now all of a sudden people start to back off a little bit. As Mickey would say, when you you know get the BC two-hander coming at you, you stick up the Louisville um, at you. So uh, it's nice that Rasmussen's found that place. And I'd be shocked if he's not getting time on the power play. Um, I wouldn't even say a quarter way through the season. I wouldn't even think about it. You know, when you watch Red Wings work on the penalty kill, there's so many guys out there, but this is what it's been. The penalty killers, any combination, take it for what it's worth. Larkin, Kopp, Fisher, Rasmussen, Comfer, Valeno, Sider, Wallman, Mata, Sherratt, and Hall. I, I, well, that's, I mean, that's that's pretty good. I mean, that's depth. These guys know what they're doing. They're accomplished NHLers for the most part. Yeah, and Dylan Larkin, I believe, played upwards of 150 minutes penalty kill 
time on ice last season. So uh, just grown into that role too and, and more of it. And now you're seeing around the league more and more of the star players killing penalties. It's opportunity and moving the puck and skill guys. So that's where you're going to get your chances shorthanded too and you keep the other team off guard. So that, that's a good way to do it. Right, yeah. And now overall we've gone through the lineup. We've gone through the uh, uh, special teams. Um, the million-dollar question, I... I'm not sure, you know, from what I've read, everyone's now assuming that the point total to make the playoffs in the Eastern Conference is going to jump up. I don't know if it was like 92 or something last year. It was 92, I think. <laughs> it was yeah. the cutoff point that maybe it's 98, maybe even 100. They get uh, back to 100, yeah. Yeah. Are, are we, how, assessing the Red Wings, Every anything is possible, uh, and we're all, you know, very, very uh, optimistic at this point. But as you know, Dylan said yesterday, we're all zero, zero, and zero. So, right. uh, uh, you know, that was obviously before they played last night when he said that. But where is this team at this point? Do you, you know, I mean, I'm going to not say playoff team, but I'm saying they're knocking on the door and stranger things have happened. Uh, that's a good way to summarize, Art. And for you to summarize something that briefly was wonderful. I think that it was perfect. Um, I'm with you. I predicted last season they would have 87 points. They had just 80. Um, I thought this season they would get to 90. Um, that was what I said a few weeks ago, so I'm going to stick with it. Um, is 90 enough to get in? I think they're pushing, but not enough. But again... Uh, stranger things have happened, a win here or there, and if 92 was a cutoff a year ago, maybe it's 93. I still think the cutoff this year because of Boston's uh, record-setting season and a fallback that they're going to have but still be a playoff team in my mind, they're still a very good team. Um, even if they fall back to 100 or 95, those points, as we've talked about, are going to be distributed elsewhere, which I believe will up 92 to probably 97 or 98. Uh, if I'm right, play this again. If I'm wrong, erase it. But we'll see. So I, I you know, I, I think March 8th is the trade deadline this year, if I'm not mistaken. Right. I think no, it's March I think you're 8th. right. I think you're right. So to me, um, if Steve Eisenman has some um, questions at the trade deadline this year, uh, whether he's going to move out players or not, I think that's a wonderful thing to have. So if he's uh, holding on because he thinks they're still in it, although the, uh, as well as they played against Tampa and the 3 nothing loss and then the two losses to Ottawa solidified that and what he was going to do, which in foresight then and even hindsight was absolutely the right decision. So let's hope he has another decision to make come March the 8th and it's a decision where, you know what, we're playing well enough, we got a shot. So that's a good thing. Right. The one thing you know about Steve is like on trade deadline day, it's complete transparency. You'll know exactly what oh, he thinks of this. Team. Sure you will. Yeah. <laughs> just, 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 yeah, yeah. Maybe even the day before you might know. Uh -huh. Oh yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. You know, yeah. He, he might play it close to the vest as they say, but uh, yeah. when it comes time to make a move, he isn't shy. No He's question. wearing a vest with a flak jacket over top right. of it. Are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> he definitely, he definitely is. Well, considering all, all, all the uh, all the uh, injuries that he had, the, uh, yeah, I've always said this about him: is that I don't think that there is a professional athlete in the history of sport who could tolerate pain like Steve Eiserman. Uh, it was utterly amazing what he played through. 
while watching him get up and looking like a tripod when he put that stick down to try to get up on those knees, whatever that yeah. surgery was called again, was oh, just... Oh, the uh, osteotomy? Or that's, is that... that's whatever. We're worried about pronouncing players' names, and now we're going to try medical terms. <laughs> yeah. I'm not even going there, but I think it's something <laughs> close to that. It is something close to that. Um, but yeah, just incredible. So Art, as we finish here, you're, you're, what are your... You're going to ask me my Stanley... Cup predictions or no? Well, you know, right. Uh, you know, the legendary coach asked me yesterday, and uh, I... Uh, Do you have his? Do you have his, by the he, way? Well, you know, he likes three teams in the West. So do I. And uh, those... can I... Can, you, right, don't tell me his three. Okay. Can I tell you if um, I'm right on those three? Okay. Will okay. you tell me if I'm okay? Yes. And I won't give in any order. Okay, my three from the West... And I'm really torn on whom I have coming out of it, but they're my Stanley Cup pick. So I'm going to, my three in the West are Colorado, Vegas, and Edmonton. Okay, he likes... Now with Dallas, well, I like Dallas too, but I'm going to go with Colorado, Vegas, and Edmonton. You? Right. Him? Well, well, you know what? I, I, I really think that Dallas is going to put it together this year. Yeah, they uh, could. Very yeah, well. Yeah. You know, I, I, I mean, I think Jake Ottinger is, is oh. a stud. I mean... Uh, and, you know, and I'm a big goaltending freak by, by nature. So I just think that, he, you know, he's good. Uh, the legendary coach like Vegas, Edmonton, and a team that I really, really like too. And maybe because, you know, we both know the, their coach very well. Los Angeles? Yes, L.A. Yeah, I, I like L.A. too. Uh, again, it comes down to uh, goaltending. But, boy, uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois and how they are down the middle and – Deneau and Kopitar and what they've got on the back end and the kids coming. I know. You know. I know. I like L.A. I like Dallas. I had to narrow it down to three. Out of the West, I've got Edmonton going to the final. Yeah, you know, I am... I actually... I have Dallas going to the final, but okay. I think that's because... I like Jim Nill so much, you know. I, I'm well, not I like Jim Nill and I like Ken Holland so much, so really tough <laughs> to choose, right? But um, Edmonton, game five, Vegas, could have gone, didn't get it. Vegas goes, wins it all. So I, I, I really like the Connor Brown addition in Edmonton. A lot of it's going to be Matthias Ekholm and whatever, it's a hip issue, whatever he's got, and hopefully okay for his sake. But again, I don't love their goaltending either. And can Aiden Hill do what he did uh, again with Vegas? There's, there's a lot of question marks everywhere, except you're right, Dallas is solidified at key positions on defense with Haskinen and in goal and up front. Uh, you know, with Robertson and even Rope Hints and all that. They're just a, Dallas is a wonderful team. So we've, we've got that. We're not fall off. And I do like LA as a dark horse in there, but questions everywhere. That is the NHL these days. And who do we have the legendary coach or should I give mine first? Uh, or do you want to give yours in the East? Well, I'll tell you what, the legendary coach was torn in the East. Mm. Uh, he, you I'm know, torn he, between two teams, not, not, not three. Yeah, he was, he, you know, he actually, uh, you, you know, it was almost a mindset that I was getting is that you got to knock Tampa off still, you know? Mm, and I think, I, he, don't. I, I think he might be thinking that because of Vasilevsky, even though he's hurt. Um, but, uh, uh, you know, we, we both kind of decided on Carolina because mm -hmm. we can't figure Toronto out. Yeah, I'm not. Yeah, I, I, you know, I Brad Tree Living will will do something. He's not. Believe me, we saw it in Calgary. He's not shy to make moves. No. Although he was shy to get rid of Daryl Sutter, and he quit before he was gone. So that was a weird one. But um, 
Uh, I'm with uh, Carolina or New Jersey. I think the winner of these comes out of the Metro. Yeah, I agree with that. I definitely agree with that. I mean, I really like New Jersey. I'm a little shaky on their goaltending. Yeah. But, but you know, and, and you know, and goaltending to me is everything at least. And so, uh, so who wins the cup then? I got Edmonton. See, I know. Yeah, I know you. Okay, see, I think the cup. I'm not convinced out. by that. I'm not convinced either. <laughs> Could it be Carolina, New Jersey? Yeah. Could it be Vegas, Dallas? That's that's how tight, that's how tight the league is at the top now right. and in the middle. A you know what Florida showed, you can get there. Not necessarily good enough to win it though. And the best team won last year. And Vegas had what one change, right? One change with uh, with Riley Smith. Was that the only one? I believe. Yes. Yes. I, I, I... Not much. So. <laughs> Why, why couldn't they again but playing deep? Tampa did it. They played deep and finally just exhausted in year number three. And I get that. And now they're rested this year. But it's not like you can't go back to back. Are teams going to go back to back to back in this world? I don't ever see that anymore. No, 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 no. No, but um, it's, it's too tough to call. And that's why all the games mean so much now. And that's why I love the National Hockey League. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. You know, and uh, I, I just want to say, Ken, it's always great to have you on. I always have enjoyed your company, and I knew from the moment I saw you, and I always bring this up, and I know you don't want me to, but, you know, I've known you longer than you've known me is my line, what I always tell you, because I used to watch you on CBC on that 15-minute show on yep. Sunday nights yep. on Channel 9, do, a, do mm. that sports report, and the thing that I knew, I always said this, I go, you know what, this guy is just like me, he loves what he's doing, he's never worked a day in his life. It, 100%. You know? 100% Art. Don't tell people that though, okay? Keep All it right. quiet. Right. You know, right. that's what Ernie Harwell said. If, if God gives you a job that you love, you've never worked a day in your life. And I truly believe that. I've loved hockey since the age of 10. I wanted to be a broadcaster since doing play-by-play -play in my living room since the age of 10. And to be able to do what I do, I've lived a charmed life, but for the loss that I've endured. Uh, but even then, having those moments to do what you do is a, is a wonderful thing and you just hope that the fans enjoy what we do and we continue to do it and love this great game well i think nobody's bigger than the game art no so. no 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 and and you know what and you and mickey realize that and it's the passion and love you have for the game you let the game come to you that's why you're the best broadcast team uh in the nhl well, thank you, and it, it helps to have a very good friend as your broadcast partner uh, that you can laugh every game and, and enjoy what you do, and it's tough not to laugh when you're around Mick. Right, right, and, uh, you know, that the whole Bally's crew, you know, you, when you throw Murphy, Jimmy, and, you know, mm -hmm. God, Ozzy. Ozzy? 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 Yeah, I know. O Ozzy's in a world of his own. Uh, <laughs> and he loves that world. He does. It's my, it's my world, Ozzy says, and welcome to it. Right, yep. That's exactly right. That, that's, that is Chris Osgood in a nutshell yeah. right there. You Love know? him. Yep. That'd be great. All right, Ken, thank you very, very much. Looking forward to your call on, uh, on on Saturday. We'll see you down at the rink, and thank you for taking so much time. Truly, truly appreciate it, and uh, we'll see you very soon. Thank you. Me too, Art. Love being with you. Thanks, man.